0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Street Prophets Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Okay, so today's episode is called Elijah, Power and Purpose. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I uh, struggle with this one a little bit. That's why uh, we are about a week late on the actual podcast dropping. I apologize for that. But if I don't have what I feel like God needs me to give you, then I'm not ready to record. So I'll do my best with that in the future. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, the Elijah in the Bible, right? So uh, Elijah comes into the story at around the end of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings. And uh, really, if you look at the big scope of the Old Testament and the history of the Jewish people at this point, right? We've hit the peak, the peak of the kingdom of Israel. Um, King David had passed, his son Solomon reigns and builds a temple, right? We're at like... Mm-hmm the height of uh, the Jewish people as a whole here, right? So when the story of Elijah comes along, there's 100 years past this point, right? So in 100 years time frame, multiple things have happened that have really been the decline of the Jewish people. The kingdom splits in two. There are seven kings at this point um, following Solomon right, each moving farther away from God, the, the first kings tells us, right, and then eventually getting to King Ahab, and uh, King Ahab, it says, is the worst of all of them, right, it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all before him. He uh, married this woman named Jezebel, um, who is a, a foreigner, right, it's actually like a Phoenician background from the coast, um, she uh, worshipped the, uh, False god Baal, or Baal, as some people say. Um, so, talk about Baal a little bit. Baal is a you know false god that was essentially around from the Canaanites before uh, the Jewish people showed up. You know they were they thought he was the god of of rain and lightning, and a uh, very similar uh, similar to some of the old Greek mythology and Roman mythology we learned in school, right? He's one of those one of those peeps. And uh, Ahab went so far as to um, build an, an altar to Baal in Jerusalem, right? Big, big no-no here. Um, so Ahab and Jezebel are literally leading the people from God and to worship the idol Baal, and God's pissed, right? He's had enough. It, this is not how he wants things to play out, right? His people are turning away from him. Which we have a cycle of right in the Old Testament, but here we're at, and he, he's had enough. Um, so what does God do? He decides to send his prophet Elijah. And uh, you know they don't they don't really give you a huge background on Elijah, right? But we'll I'll go off of some of the things that the Bible does tell us, right? All the Bible really tells us is he's from a place called Gilead. Gilead is a um, isolated mountainous region, some distance away from from Jerusalem itself, right? very rough and tumble region on the other side of the Jordan River. Um, Way different lifestyle than what um, the Jewish people are actually living in Jerusalem. Um, I believe that this solitary and wild upbringing made him uniquely built for the mission that God had ahead of him. Like almost picture this frontiersman, you know, kind of yoked up a little bit in his own way. Like he's, he's been out there taking care of himself and and doing the things he needs to do to survive, way different than these people at Jerusalem, right? Um, he was isolated from their wicked ways, you know, as they were turning farther and farther away from God. He was he was in his spot doing his thing um, with God. I think that's important to recognize. There was a separation there between the two. Um, in the strength and independence it takes to live in a place like Gilead, made him the perfect person to stand upright before an evil king. He had to know that he was going to be able to stand up um, loud and proud and tell King Ahab exactly what they were doing and uh, perfectly fit for that situation, right? God doesn't send somebody, um, what, what do they always say, you know? Um, God oftentimes doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. I feel like God built Elijah for this purpose through the, the way he lived and what he was doing, Right? Um, so, God sends Elijah to go before King Ahab, right? And he, and he tells King Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except upon my word. So, basically, tells King Ahab, You guys are done, man. If I don't, if I don't say so, there's going to be no more rain, drought. You know, animals are going to die. Crops aren't going to grow. People are going to die. You guys better turn around. And if you don't turn around, I'm not saying anything right? So, importance of this particular part of the story, right? First, Elijah was obedient. Imagine the stones it takes to be able to stand in front of a king, especially one that his wife, it turns out, has been going around killing all the prophets of God, right? And turning the people away. Imagine the stones it takes to stand in front of them and go, hey man, you guys are done, bro. Like that's declaring a drought, like saying, having the having the guts to look at him and say, God told me this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, takes an immense amount of strength, right? Um, but it, despite all that, despite of, of, of all of those those negative things that could impact him, uh, much the same way that things in life, we know something, we know God is, we feel that God is calling us to go do something, but there's all these negatives. Oh, can't do that. I got to pay my bills. I can't. I can't do this. But everybody's going to laugh at me. Uh, people are going to give me grief about stuff. People are going to call me out on how I don't, I don't do some of the things that I'm even talking about. Sometimes all those things, it, you have to have the strength to actually be able to stand up and do what's right. Because God told you to do what was right. Right. So immediately at this point, not a safe place to be. Right. Like, not at, not at all. And like what God does, he gives, he gives Elijah directions, right? He tells him to essentially go and hide. He tells him there's this spring to go to, right? This brook. And God knows the dangerous position he put Elijah in. He gives him very specific instructions to go to this brook. And Cherith, you got to forgive me about these Old Testament words. I didn't come up with this Hebrew uh, names. If I did, I would change a lot of them, you know, be a lot easier. Um, which is east of the Jordan River. Um, he directed him. He gave him clear directions on on how to take care of himself. He told him to drink from the brook, and God instructed ravens to bring him food. And this happened every morning and night. <laughs> These ravens would just come and bring Elijah food. Who would have thought that God came up with DoorDash like three thousand years ago? Isn't that crazy? I think it's crazy. Um I provided and kept Elijah safe while the rest of Israel had to learn their hard lessons for turning away from God. So, I mean, what I get out of this, right, is if you're obedient to God, he will provide. It may not be how you imagined, though. Like, I'm sure um, there's no idea that he was going to get Grubhub from these ravens, right? That boggles my mind now. I can only imagine in the situation, but God is a good, good God. And make no mistake about it, he will provide if you're following in his will. Okay, so at this point, and I should have probably told you guys at the beginning of this episode, but I got a lot of negative feedback from such a heavily scripted podcast this last time. So I'm going I'm going hard in the pain. I wrote some light notes, and now I'm rolling. So if you like it, I hope you do. Apparently, the majority of people do. If you don't, let me know, and we'll hopefully figure out a better balance. Um, God... God, at this point, needed Elijah to move. But Elijah didn't have any reason to move, right? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. He was getting provided for. He was safe. He was hidden. Uh, There was no reason for him to move. Well, oftentimes when God wants us to move and he's been taking care of us, he changes our situation. It's that little call that says, go move. So what did God do? The brook dried up, right? And, uh, Elijah at this point didn't know what to do, but he relied on God and God told him, go to the town of Zarephath, right? And there will be a widow there. She will provide you food. So Elijah goes and there's a, there's a widow there, like right at the front gates and she's getting water. And he, and he asks her, he goes, Hey, will you, will you give me some water? And she goes to get him some water. <clears throat> and, uh, then he asks if, uh, she'll make him some food. And she basically says, this is my last little bit of flour. This is the last little bit of oil. I'm getting this water to make cakes for me and my son. And then we're going to die. Basically saying, you know, the drought has affected them there. Everything's run up. She's a widow. So she's all by herself. There's no help coming. She's done. You know, like it's basically the way it is. She's just done. And he, he basically tells her just to trust him and to go ahead and make him a cake. And if you do this, Until the rains come back, your little bit of oil and your little satchel of flour will be there until the rains come back. And what does she do? She actually, she does, she does what she says. She makes them a cake. And what happens? They, the whole time of the drought, that oil and that water or the oil and that flour never runs out. Just another example of God, like actually taking care of his people for those who are obedient to him right? That's a very, very important thing to, to get at. Um, it's a, it's a lesson repeated over and over and over again throughout, throughout the story. Um, and you know, life's, life's good. They're there, you know, I mean, he was a while in the wilderness at the spring. He's with them for a while and, uh, life things are, things are going good, but once again, it's time, you know, it's, it's, It's time for for elijah to move on but something that's very interesting that you when you do a little research you learn about zarephath zarephath is actually in the same region where jezebel is from so god has this enemy and he is tearing his people apart and what does he do he sends his prophet to her home turf right and does this little minor little 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 minor miracle of providing this food for these people. And it's a little, a little jab of showing his power. But it, it's not enough, right? It, it's not enough. So it tells us in the story that for whatever reason, um, the widow's son gets sick and dies. And like anybody in that um, grief-stricken situation, I, I don't judge her or whatever, but she gets mad at Elijah. She gets mad at God. And she says, you know, why would, why would you do this to me? And uh, Elijah, which is the only person in the Old Testament to, to do this, takes her son up to the upper room, you know, takes him to his room, and lays him down on the bed, and he, and, he, and he lays and he prays over him, and he asks God to bring him back to life, and God brings him back to life. It's a powerful, powerful thing that God does. Right? And literally in the, in the home, the home province of, of this lady that is destroying everything, he shows his power to bring someone back to life. And it's, it's just a, a powerful, powerful movement, so much so that the woman completely changes her tune. Right, she, Elijah says, see your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. So he goes right to her home base, right, Jezebel's home base, and he pronounces himself with his resurrection. This also marks a time um, that it's time to move on again, right? And in the third year of all this, um, God tells Elijah to show yourself to to Ahab, right, and he'll send rain upon the earth. Now, and Elijah goes, and they set up this big thing. He tells. Um, you got to forgive me, I'm doing a lot of this from memory. Um, Logic confronts Ahab, and he goes, send the 450 prophets of Baal. Uh, and there was another four prophets. Oh, there's another idol. It's like the female idol that's equivalent to Baal also. Right? He says, send these 450 prophets of Baal, and these Baal and these 400 prophets of this other person and that all eat at Jezebel's table. Send them to Mount Carmel. And bring all the people of Israel and Ahab like any king that gets called out is like let's go bro let's go so everybody gets up on Mount Carmel right and Elijah has a has a test right he basically tells the prophets of Baal he goes hey let's bring two bulls up here you guys present a sacrifice to Baal and pray for rain and I'll do the same thing whatever God makes it rain that'll be that'll show the true God he announces this all to Israel like we're going to prove right now you've turned your faces from the Lord we're going to prove right now who the God who the real God really is right and he tells them to to set up a like a a a sacrificial uh, burning situation right he tells them don't put any fire to it you know cut up the bull put it on there asked ball to light it up, right? So he lets them go first, and uh, these four hundred and fifty prophets of ball—they set everything up. They do it, and they're praying and dancing and wailing, trying to get the prophet ball to rain to to bring down rain, and it doesn't, or to bring down bring down fire to this sacrifice, right? And nothing happens, and it gets to the point where he did, he literally starts ridiculing them, right? He says stuff like, you know, maybe your God's sleeping, or maybe he went away. Um, you know, maybe he's even using the bathroom is what the equivalent of what he says is. And this upsets the prophets of Baal even more, and they start cutting themselves because you more research you, you learn about these prophets of blood sacrifices were huge, and they would cut themselves and do these things. Things that oftentimes we see people that struggle with life do very similar things. I find that, you know, very, very ironic. Um, that it's almost like people are doing trying to blood sacrifice themselves a little bit when they get into cutting, and uh, and none of this works. And it gets to the to the end time when it's time for the second second sacrifice of the day. And this time, you know, Elijah just does it up big, right? Because he knows his God, he knows what's up, and uh, he he sets up his, you know, he sets up his his wood for his fire. He cuts up the bull He puts on me, instructs the people to dig this big trench. Big trench around. And then he tells people to pour water on it. Pour water on the on the wood. And they do it. Right? And he tells them do it again. And he tells them do it again. Right? So everything's soaked. So much so that the water has filled up the trench. Right? He wants there to be no doubt that his God is the true God. Then he then he cries out to the Lord, right? He prays, he blesses, blesses every, um, the situation, right? And he, and he, and he prays, and then he, I'm trying to look up the exact prayer here, forgive me. Um, and he says to them, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that you are, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people may know, O Lord, our God, that you have turned, that they have turned their backs. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones, and the dust, and licked up all the water that was in the trench. And all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord He is God, the Lord He is God. He, he turned it around, right? This is the big, this is Michael Jordan scoring the shot. He showed everyone in Israel that they've been messing up. They've been messing up big time. And he tells them, seize the prophets of Baal, and they seize all these false prophets, and they kill them, right? And uh, at this point, he tells King Ahab to go go home and expect rain, right? And got, and Elijah goes up on the mountain. He prays, and he prays, and here comes. He, it's It's funny, it says in here that, he has, like, his uh, assistant prophet with him. He tells him, go go look out over um, the water for clouds. And he goes. He doesn't see anything. He goes, he doesn't see anything. It happens on the seventh time, he tells him to go back. And Elijah's just on his knees, hands on the ground, you know, head on the ground praying. And uh, on the seventh time he goes, they say he sees this tiny little cloud. And it grows into this huge dark cloud. And this huge storm comes, right? And rain is back to... Israel at this point, right, showing that our God is the one true God. There's some more in there, and I don't want to get into the intricacies of it because I'm just trying to build up here to show you where we're at to get to a certain point, right? At this point, Elijah's got to be flying high, bro. I mean, you're a prophet of God. Your faith is strong. You are, you are, you know, killing prophets and bringing down fire and bringing the rain back to your people. You've turned all of Israel back to you right they know he's the one true god you gotta be flying high and when ahab gets back to jezebel and he tells her about what happened she sends word to elijah that she's obviously pissed right i mean let's be honest she's she's beyond it She tells him that the same thing that happened to the prophets of baal is going to happen to you in a day she basically puts out a hit on him right that's the best way to say it and what does elijah do at this point this is important, right? This is a very important. Problem might be the most important thing for us as a people through all of this. He gets scared and he runs. He flees and he goes out into the wilderness. Um, and he asks God to end his life. Essentially, wants to commit suicide. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine that, that. You've done all these things. You've seen all these miracles. You've done these miracles. All in the name of your God, and he has provided every single time, right? He invented Grubhub for you and took care of you. He lets you raise a kid from the dead. He lets you rain fire down to burn a sacrifice and then bring rain back to save your people in front of everybody. And now he just wants to quit. He just wants to give up. Now imagine that if a person that's that powerful, to do these things, stand up in front of kings, rain fire from heaven, bring people back to life, he just he doesn't have it in him anymore. He wants to be done with it. Imagine how normal people like us feel when life gets crazy and hard and you feel like you got nothing left and you hit rock bottom. If he could be there, well, Lord knows we can be there. I've been there. I've been there, you know. Um, I don't know if I ever shared this in a past episode, but if not, I'm going to now. Uh, there was a time, uh, it, this was a while back, it, this was years, but uh, I, I hit a complete rock bottom. I was going through a very, very messy divorce, and uh, I ended up spending a couple of days in jail, 10 to be exact, Um because I had an issue with, uh, with bond paperwork, it's a long story, um, but I was at the real bottom, I was facing some dire consequences for what I'd been accused of, basically was going to end up losing my kids, and, um, losing my career, losing everything, if, um, and then I started, you know, getting options, you know, that's how, that's how court systems work, they start offering you all these plea deals and stuff, and it, um, to try to get you just to plead guilty because that's all they want, right? Is they want their conviction rates to stay high so they can get elected. And you got all these tough choices to make. Do I do I do this and then lose your career and everything else for this and keep your kids or do you, you know, if I didn't take the chance to lose everything, right? Very hard decision to make. I had to pray on it a lot and think on it a lot and really just pray and pray and pray. And I eventually came up, idea that I needed to stand firm and it did end up working out for me. Right. But this is the situation I was in at that moment. Right. I was riding through that low point and I had a situation where someone stole my money. Right. So I just gotten out of jail. The first of the month, I got a mortgage to pay. I got a car payment to pay. I got insurance, you know, all the bills we all have. Right. Um, and then I go to check my bank account. And I look in the ATM and it says $0 after payday, right? Not good. And all I could think about in this life was that I was done. Like I was going to be ruined no matter what. Why did it matter? I never actually thought about killing myself, but that's the rock bottom you get right before you get there. That's where you get, you get to where there's nothing left. You know, I don't, I don't have anything left to give. It's over, right? Right. And I, I was fortunate enough to be in a very blessed situation with that, right? Um, I was able to, to call my father. As a matter of fact, I never even left the ATM area. I just walked over to a grassy area near it, and I called my dad, and I told him what was going on. And he didn't have any crazy words for me, right? Uh, he didn't judge me. He just told me something very simple. He said, Luke, I, I can't tell you when this is going to happen. It may be a day maybe a week, maybe months, maybe a year, maybe years he said, but one day everything's going to get all better. And he was absolutely right. And it didn't take a, de- a day or a week or month or it took, it took uh, years before things really got better. Um, but it did get better. And, uh, even more recently, even, even more recently, um, I was in a situation where, um, I I was in a situation where someone that works for me, uh, attempted to kill themselves. Um, you know, they had had something very traumatic happen in their life and they decided that they thought they didn't have anybody or anything and really just didn't want to live anymore. So they took a, they they swallowed a bunch of pills. Um, and I got word and went to the hospital right away. And I, I, I'm not going to get into the details of the story cause it's not fair for me to share somebody's personal situation in the world. But I, it was actually at the same time I, I recently have been going through some things uh, and I was starting to get to that, to that rock bottom, not as bad as I was before, but because I'm now walking in my faith with the Lord, I know everything's going to be okay, but I was pretty down. And I got this call and I went straight to the hospital and I just sat next to this poor girl, young lady, and I just, oh God, I had to, she was crying. I was trying to like rub her back and console her while she was, you know, being forced to drink the stuff that makes her get sick so they could get all this stuff out of her body. And I just, all I could think about was, oh, young lady, there's so much to live for. There will, there will be better days. I felt so bad for her so we all get there we all get there and thank god she was okay you know there's no lasting effects. she's fine and healthy and we're in constant communication we're working on things and making things better and she sees that there will be better days to come and i'm so thankful i thank god for that every second of the day that she's got there in her heart um but i bring this up because there's a there's a lot of people out there that go through this Right, Especially with the pandemic and everything that just happened, the isolation has affected people a lot. And now with you know, rising inflation, the cost of everything going up, the economy not looking good, people people are starting to get there. But I'm telling you all, there will be better days. And you don't have to feel bad about it. You do not have to feel bad about it. Even someone as strong as the prophet Elijah, he was there in that spot and he still didn't want it anymore. Let's talk about what God did with that, right? God didn't chastise him. God wasn't upset with him. God knew. God knew he was at the end of his rope because God knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows your ways. He knows what you're going to say before you say it, what you're going to do before you do it. He knows. He let him rest. He let him rest under a tree. An angel brought him food, right? The angel woke him up, let him eat. Let him go back to sleep. Then there was more food. He let him get himself back up. Then he said there was more work to be done. Right? And I'm not going to get into all of that, right? But God had him do wonderful, wonderful more things. He had him, uh, you know, an- anoint new kings in different places. Um, he had him find his eventual, eventual successor, which happens to be named Elisha, S-H-A, I know. I don't know why he couldn't you know he could have had his successor be Fred. I don't know. Not my deal, it's God's deal. Right? And and put him to the work of starting to rebuild the kingdom through establishing this school of prophets, right? And it, it's just these great things that happened. He wasn't done with him. It wasn't done with him at all. Just like he's not done with us. Then how did how did he reward him for for what he did? Elijah is the only person that got to go to heaven without actually dying. Fire from heaven came down and brought him up. He was rewarded so much because he was faithful and he listened even through the hard times. Even when he didn't think he had anything left, he never gave up. That is such, such a powerful message to get for this people. I know. There are people going through hard times, and I know there's are still hard times to come for many of us, but it's going to be okay. We are going to come out on the other side, and by God, if you stick with God and you stick with your faith, you stick with your love of the Lord, and, and, you know, sticking with the commandments, right, love the Lord, God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we continue to do that, there's nothing but paradise on the other side of whatever we go through in this life. Let's go ahead and end this bad boy in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for the ability to talk to people, Lord. I hope I hope this message touches every ear that needs to hear it and there's every heart that needs to hear it, Lord. I pray, I pray for that girl that works for me, Lord. I pray that she understands that she is loved and she is special and she is unique. And God, you made her just like you made all of us, right, in your own image, but you made us all for a purpose and a power, Lord, in you. And I pray that that everyone that listens to this recognizes that and everyone that that sees that understands your love and your peace and know that what we're going through is just as it's a season it's just a season and i pray all these things in jesus almighty and all powerful name amen